basically what I did was read thousands of phrases and sentences that were created solely to get all of the sound, possible sound combinations in the English language. Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance You like long walks and you wear clean pants Genius, get onto my show Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius I'm your host Omar Crook Got a very special guest today, voiceover artist Susan Bennett If you have a uh, pocket-sized mobile telephone The smartphones, they call uh, iPhones by a company called Apple She was one of the uh, original voices of Siri now the the funny thing is is that Susan is very pleasant and and very smart, answers questions very easily, uh, and I don't want to you know I didn't want to punch her in the throat every time I talk to her like uh, like I do with my with my phone. I wish that Siri worked as well as Susan Bennett. I guess is what I'm trying to say. She was delightful. It's a short interview. It was my first Skype interview. I'm going to issue a disclaimer. Uh, I, you know, maybe I'm just not great on the phone. I don't know. I'd like to get your opinion. It's awfully short. You know, maybe a 20-minute uh, interview is what you guys are looking for. So maybe I've stumbled onto something. We'll see. Love to hear from you. Send me an email. Um, what else? Happy Monday. We just uh, had a partial eclipse here in Los Angeles. Went outside and uh, grabbed an Amazon box from the backyard that I was going to throw away and Cut a couple holes in it, stuck some tin foil on it, taped it together, poked a hole, made a little camera obscura for my uh, son and my wife. We went out in the backyard and checked it out. I don't know, it's pretty cool. I can see how uh, primordial folks uh, back in back in the you know Iron Age or Stone Age were probably you know pretty freaked out about it. Well, I'm sure the flat earthers have some strange opinion about it, or I don't know. Who, you, can you believe there are people out there that still believe the earth is flat? If you're one of those people, uh, you're wrong. It's just not. It's it's uh, it's a globe, like a big marble floating in space. And we go around stuff, and stuff goes around us, and you know, that's, that's how it works, people. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Susan. Thank you all for listening. Here she is. Hello. Hello, Susan. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Good. So you you are in Atlanta, Georgia. Is that right? Yes. Uh, okay. What uh, what took you out to Atlanta? Why 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 not Los Angeles in the line of work that you're in? Well, because the, my line of work used to be as a musician, and <laughs> I ended up moving down here because I was uh, I lived in New England um, until about age. Until I graduated from uh, college, actually, and uh, I ended up coming down to Atlanta with my husband because he was a professional hockey player, and was um, going playing for the Atlanta Flames. So we came down here in uh, early early seventies. Ah, oh, I see. And you just ended yeah. up staying. I fell in love with the city. I had a ton of work here, and I and I just loved it. So okay, yeah. okay. So you studied as as a musician. Were you a musician as a child? Did you start uh, playing piano when you were a kid? How did that start? I did. As a matter of fact, the next door neighbor heard me playing, um, picking out tunes on a little toy piano. Mm -hmm. And he called my parents and said, I think you have a musical child. And he said uh, he was moving away and he gave me his upright piano. So um, I took 
you know, classical piano lessons for many years. And then in high school, I started singing. And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've been uh, doing music uh, one way or another, basically all, my whole life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, when you went to, uh, I, I read uh, your Wikipedia page, you went to Brown, is that right? Correct. And you studied music there? Is that what you were doing? Well, I was going to study music and um, I decided not to. Uh, the program, you know, was wasn't exactly what I was looking for. So I ended up just doing liberal arts uh -huh. and uh, basically uh, studying, you know, literature and classics and things like that. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into into doing voiceover in particular? Uh, what was the big break? Well, that was actually kind of accidental. There used to be a studio here called Doppler Studios that did a lot of work. And in the um, 70s, 80s, even 90s, uh, I did a lot of jingle work for them and uh, doing a lot of radio and TV commercials. And back in those years, you could actually make a career out of that. I mean, we actually worked several times a week. And one day we had um, finished singing for a jingle and the voice talent didn't show up to read the donut of the spot. And the owner of the studio at the time said, Susan, you don't have an accent, come over here and read this. Uh -huh. and I said, oh, ding, 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 I can do this. So um, yeah, so then I got a voice coach and uh, a talent uh, agent, and that's I've been doing that now for decades. <laughs> yeah. And and re really, why don't you have an accent? I mean, you, you don't have a New England accent. You don't have a Southern accent. Is it something that you were conscious about of, or? Yes, actually, and I had a, quite a thick New England accent um, until my folks moved to a little town called Clinton, New York, in upstate New York, mm -hmm. and the accent there was very. Um, pretty neutral. They they started to get a bit of that broad A that you get in the Midwest, you know, like Fiesta and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was very neutral, especially compared to New England. So it was a very lucky move for me <laughs> that I went from New England to, to upstate New York. But then as I, you know, uh, I, I, I have a pretty good hearing and I'm very conscious of sounds. And so I really do try to make an effort not to pick up the Southern accent. As you can imagine, there's, there's quite a Southern accent here, but, um, yeah, it's something that you kind of have to work at right? because right. It's, it's a great thing to be able to do a lot of different accents, but it's not a great thing to have a regional accent that you can't work without. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. And when did you, uh, decide that you could, I mean, did you, did you decide in fact that you could make a living as a, as a singer musician first? Is that, is that something you were already yes. doing? I think that was one of the reasons that I didn't really major in music because I didn't really think there was any possible way to do that. Although I did, you know, you know, help pay for school by, by being a musician the whole time I was there. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, when I moved to Atlanta, I started to do lots of um, work in restaurants and clubs and things like that. And then I also worked in the studio doing jingles. And, um, you know, at the time, my husband was a professional athlete, so I, I didn't really have to worry about Money. totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just completely uh, supporting myself. And so that was a lucky break, too, that I didn't have to just, you know, scramble so much mm -hmm. um, and I was able to just you know keep working at the things that I that I love to do I've been very very fortunate that way yeah it's funny I I've got some friends here that uh, did a lot of 
jingles in the past. Uh, Edie Lehman Boddicker is one of uh, my friends who did lots of jingles in the in the 70s and 80s. And uh, another friend of mine, John Powell, who's a film composer, started in jingles. And it seemed like it was a, a pretty thriving business. And uh, it doesn't seem to be something that I hear much about nowadays. Why? What happened to that business, do you think? Uh, technology. That's it. Technology just changed everything. And... Um, I think a lot of it has to do with a cultural thing, too. Uh, the Internet basically devalued everything. And also so many people, and, you know, anybody basically with a computer and a keyboard, you know, thinks he or she is a composer and, and mm -hmm. <laughs> a musician. And I suppose, uh, you know, depending on what they're going for, I suppose they could get away with some of that, um, you know. But it's uh, there's there is so much competition now. And unfortunately... <laughs> You know, corporations and, and the companies that have the money that used to hire, you know, bona fide composers and used to, you know, hire jingle singers and pay through through the union and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty much gone away because everybody's, you know, whole uh, raison d'etre is to, to uh, get to the very, very bottom line that they can possibly get to. And unfortunately, what that means is they're going to pay as little as they can get away with paying. And there are a lot of people just trying to get into the business now that will basically work for very little, you know, certainly not, um, you know, not the, the kind of rates that we used to, to, to see. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that just, you know, the, everyone has such amazing technology at their own fingertips. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to go to these big, fantastic, wonderful studios, although, you know, the professional people. Uh, probably, you know, many of them still are going to do that, especially in major markets. But um, amazingly enough that you can accomplish quite a quite a bit just in your house. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so it's really had an effect on the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting in my house, uh, and I'm sure you're sitting in your house, and, and here we are, uh, and here we are. <laughs> thousands of miles away, and yep. uh, it sounds like we're in the same room. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's. Uh, I mean, I I feel like in some ways that's um, an asset to the general public in that the opportunity to create is more available to people who uh, wouldn't have had that opportunity in the past. I don't know if maybe it's a lack of education uh, also that allows people to not realize the sacrifices they're making and and what they're listening to. Uh, I I kind of feel like it's a two-edged sword. You know, I belong to a. A union here. I do session work for film and television, and I would like to, to be offered a buyout uh, now and then instead of having the work go to London because the general public will accept a London choir just as well as they will a Los Angeles choir. Right. So I don't know. It's a uh, it's a sticky. Well, I think I think we're still in a transition period, trying to figure out how people, you know, because if machines keep keep taking all of our jobs, and uh, you know, which is you know is in the works with this, with AI, sure. you know, it's, somehow we're all going to figure out how to make, how we can possibly make a living. But I think that like everything else in life, it has a positive side and a negative side. The negative side to me, especially from a voiceover industry point of view is I always thought it was much more fun and, and you ended up with a much better product. If you had all of the talent in the studio together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you would, you know, you might end up even with a, a, a better script than was originally written with people doing, you know, improvisations and stuff like that. And I guess a little bit of that can go on now, but mostly, uh, you know, when you do a spot that has dialogue, a lot of times, <clears throat> 
people are just doing their lines separately mm-hmm. and that's put together by the the you know the engineer and the producer at the end and so a lot of this has has had a great effect um on, on production in general also the fact that i think the fact that we rely so much on our phones and our devices and we're so used to listening to music and to voices on these little tiny speakers yeah, highly compressed that, yeah quincy jones talked about that you know not too long ago he said you know there are so many young people that don't haven't really heard music because they haven't heard them you know the, the way it was meant to be in these these big speakers that mm-hmm. were through this wonderful you know stereo equipment and certainly the quality of the of the digital devices is you know pretty good but you know you're hearing it through these little tiny speakers and so you don't really you're not able to appreciate uh, what i would have to term professionalism and experience and that sort of thing i think that i it seems like the bar has been lowered a little bit yeah 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 and do you think it's do you think it's the industry that is encouraging that type of listening just uh, to maximize profit? I mean, that's a rhetorical question. Obviously, the answer is, is um, yes. Uh, I, I mean, but there are people like, um, you know, that Pono player that just came out that's supposed to be a high-resolution player. Uh, I think there are people that, and, you know, the phonograph movement has been such a huge. Exactly, uh, exactly. So the pendulum you know, is swinging, say- I think. Right. Everyone says that, you know, things circle back around. Mm-hmm. And I would hope I, I hope that's true. Um, you know, I think that, that we've seen such dramatic change in technology in the last, oh, especially 10 years, mm-hmm. but even, you know, farther back than that. And and I think we're still sort of adjusting to it. And um, and I, I'm really hoping that it will get back to the to the point where professional people really do uh, get paid more what they're worth rather than, you know, mm-hmm. what they'll settle for. <laughs> sure, sure. So, I mean, because I, I think that sometimes the people in charge of the money aren't, don't definitely, don't, are, are more the, 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 uh, the left brains and, and the right brains are the ones that are creating all the stuff. And so as long mm-hmm. as the left brains are in charge of the money, I'm, I'm not sure how much that's going to change. But, you know, I think that we always have to be optimistic and, um, you, as as you said before, one of the advantages of the technology is you've got kids, you know, that maybe have a little, you know, I, you know, might have a, a smartphone that don't don't have anything else, mm-hmm. and even just having that, they're still able to create. Mm-hmm. That's know? right, and I do think I think that the cream still rises to the top, even though the competition has grown exponentially. I think for the consumer, it might end up being a better scenario and that the the most interesting and the best things are being released you don't have to buy an album based on one song and be stuck with nine other songs that are dogs anymore right right that's that's definitely an advantage um yeah i agree uh, let's, so- let's talk about uh about how you got this this siri thing it's 2007 is that right no i did the recordings in 2005 uh-huh. and siri came out in 2011 and to tell you the truth this is going to be a very short conversation because i don't know (laughs) are you serious yes and i've spoken to a lot of other original siri voices and what happened was all of this stuff happened so quickly you know from between the time that we did the recordings and we were doing the recordings for what we thought were were just uh was just phone messaging and i guess technically you could say that siri is a type of phone system you know it's it's Mm -hmm. much more than a phone system of course Mm -hmm. um and we didn't really know what we were recording for and so consequently we had been recording for a text-to-speech company called nuance 
they were called Scansoft at the beginning, but they're now called Nuance. Okay, they I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. So you get a phone call and they say, hi, this is uh, Nuance uh, speech service. We want you to record th the, this series of sentences and words for us. That's all you, is that really how it started? Well, it went through another liaison company that I work uh, with a lot here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, and when I started reading the scripts, I, I recognized the fact that the scripts were, you know, quite different from regular sure. messaging. And, um, yeah, but, and so basically what they were doing was get, getting a vocabulary. Uh, the process is called concatenation. And basically what I did was read thousands of phrases and sentences that were created solely to get all of the sound possible sound combinations in the english language and um i did i worked the whole month of july in 2005 four hours a day five days a week and then i did updates for four months in 2011 and 12 but that you know i got them down to just two hours a day i said four hours a day i can't really do much else wow. that's do because it's very tedious work every sentence has to be read in the exact same manner in the exact same pacing the same tone the same pitch and it's very 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 tedious um so once those things were all done um the concatenation process is that technicians and computers go into the recordings and extract whatever sounds they need reform them into new phrases and sentences and these are what end up on our digital devices um, so basically, you know, if you don't like to see what Siri tells you, then too bad. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't the voice. It was the, it was the programmers. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So talk to the programmers. Yeah. So, so, you know, as I say, this was all done in 2005. And when you think back on that, I mean, that's, you know, that's 12 years ago now. Yeah. And, you know, so much has happened so quickly. And if you listen to the original Siri voice, which show, showed up on the iPhone 4S, that was the first uh, Siri appearance. Mm -hmm. And if you listen back to recordings that were done, that were, you know, on that, you know, iteration of the iPhone and listen to the recordings now, first of all, they changed all the voices, but um, the, the sounds it's much more human sounding, much less robotic sounding. And that's just going to keep improving as they figure out how to, you know, smooth out the sound. Sure. Um, I mean, they'll still drive you into a lake, but, you know, it, it'll well, sound more human. Well, there's always that possibility, because Siri does have quite a sense of humor. She's got a rather acerbic sense of humor. <laughs> but, well, yeah, one of my questions was, was to ask you what it felt like to know that millions of people were screaming at you at the tops of their lungs and throwing their phones out the window. <laughs> what I like to tell them is be careful what you say, like where you live. <laughs> so it took, a, you said, a month to record all the phonemes in the English language? Is that? Uh, was... uh, yes, that was the first, wow. that was the first part of uh, the recordings, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, yes. And do you think that they obscured the fact that it was for Apple just to make it easier? I mean, I'm, this, know, I this is point blank, it. to just pay you I... a, a standard recording fee? Well, that's what they ended up doing. Right. Uh, but I have no idea if they were, you know, in so-called cahoots with Apple or if Apple came in after the fact. I really have no way of knowing that. And uh, Apple's been very silent on the subject. Um, they did change all of their voices beginning with the OS 7 operating system because um, the original Siri voices, you know, like myself, there were many. And that's another thing people don't realize that there was more than one Siri voice because even though the voices were concatenated, they still had to have people who spoke the native language for whatever country the phone was going into. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't speak Thai, right. <laughs> I don't speak Japanese. So they had to get, um, you know, natural native 
voice actors to do, to do that. So there were a lot of original series. And we were promoting ourselves. And Apple is very, very um, secretive about, you know, all of their um all of their developments and consequently they ended up changing the voices they ended up getting voices that are very similar mm-hmm. to the original voices um and those people of course were paid because they had non-disclosure agreements we were able to promote ourselves because we did not have non-disclosure agreements which leads me to believe that apple came in and got the voices after the fact rather than you know being in on the the original um plan right of the- So you were able to capitalize on it personally in a way that maybe some of the other voices weren't able to. I guess that would uh, make up. I certainly capitalized on it in their own countries. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, I've been able to promote myself. So it's been really fun. It's uh, it's (laughs) it's certainly been an interesting an interesting new part of my career, I'll have to say, because I've started to do things like Siri appearances and uh, doing speaker events. I did a TEDx talk and all of that you can see and hear on my website, which is SusanCBennett.com. Well, uh, that leads me to my next question. Uh, being a, a session musician myself, um, uh, I know, and being a musician, I know that it's... Um, can be uh, isolating and lonely. What what was it like? And for some people, you know, that suits them very well. I think, especially instrumentalists and pianists and uh, the people who aren't singers, really thrive in practice rooms. I think even more than singers do. What was it like to uh, get out of the sequestered nature of a studio and out into the public limelight? Was that difficult for you? Well, you know, uh, I, I I do tend to be a bit of an introvert to begin with, um, but one of the very first thing that I did was a uh, this, the CNN morning show, mm-hmm. um, and when I got on camera, I just thought, oh, oh, I know how to do this because I used to do tons of on camera work too when I was younger, and I did a lot of. Uh, uh, I, I was usually the one that did the technical stuff because I was very good at teleprompter. I was very good at ear prompter mm-hmm. and I was very good at memorization too, uh, back in the day. And so, um, I used to do a lot of, uh, mostly corporate or industrial, you know, on camera work. But when I got there, I just thought, Oh, well, this feels like second nature. So it really wasn't a problem at all. Now, uh, in fact, I really enjoy it. Were your parents in the business as well? You said that you started at an early age doing on camera things. Is that part of your family experience or? No, I didn't do the on-camera things as as a child. Oh, I see. I did that more as a, just a young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, my folks, my dad always appreciated music, but neither of my parents um, was musical at all. Neither sang and neither played an instrument. So I was kind of the oddball in the family. <laughs> do you have any brothers or sisters? I do. I have a bro- one brother, eight years older, and he also loves music, but he does not play. Isn't that funny? I hear that yeah. a lot. Uh, yeah, my guess uh, that happens quite a bit. Um, it's fun. And then you get a, a, a group of people like a. There's a, a very good singer here in Atlanta. Well, she's moved back to Canada, but uh, she has four sisters, and all five of them sing right. uh, professionally. You know, so. right, right. It's one or the other, right? And mo- most everybody that I interview knows they know what they want to do from a very early age. Was it seems to be your the case that you? Well, I knew what I could do. Uh, I'll have to say that being able to just sit down at the piano and play anything. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, if I just hear it in my head, I can just sit down and play it. I mean, unless it's in, you know, a terrible key. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, 
uh, has made me a little bit lazy, I'll have to say. It's just because it's so easy for me to just sit down and do it that I, I probably I probably could be much more proficient than I am if, if I'd, you know, been, uh, I've had to work at it even, uh, you know, more. But um, I, I've really, really enjoyed it. It's just, it's really fun. I'm in a band now called Boomers Gone Wild. Uh-huh. And we play nothing but 60s and 70s rock and soul music. And it's just so much fun because we all play by ear. And so we just go to this little club, you know, once once a month. And, uh, you know, people throw requests at us. We play, you know, everything. And I, I always say, yes, we're, we're, we're often best at, you know, playing the stuff we don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Give us a lyric sheet and we'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Susan, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate your uh, your time today. Well, thank you. It's nice to talk to a fellow musician. Well, there you have it, folks, the lovely Susan Bennett. Thanks for chatting with me, Susan. It was lovely getting to know you a little bit. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Again, happy Monday. Hope the eclipse didn't uh, mess up your day. It sure was special around here, getting to spend it with my little boy and my little girl and my lovely wife. Thanks for listening. Remember to always be kind. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get on to my show.